0: big boy sports corner my name is nick winstead and i'm joined this morning by randall davis randall how are we doing today
1: doing good glad to be jumping back in be taking a few weeks off here and you know obviously this isn't the uh busiest time of year um but we're uh, ramping back up NCA tournaments coming along got a few nascar races to talk about excited to uh you know talk a little talk a little basketball talk a little local uh, sports as well so um Excited to be back. Yeah, this is, uh, as far
0: as us, you know, we're big football fans in general, big Tennessee football fans, so the Super Bowl's over. Obviously, college football wrapped up, gosh, a couple months ago now. Uh, But we're also, we obviously, we've talked about we love NASCAR, we love basketball, we love local sports. Baseball's going to be starting up at the end of this month, MLB. Tennessee baseball's going on. So, we're looking forward this week. Uh, the jumping in and talking about the first start uh, first three races of the 2023 NASCAR season we're going to look ahead uh, at the rest of the SEC basketball tournament talk about the games that have already happened over the past couple of days talk a little high school sports in our around the corner segment and as always we'll have our power five and big boy corner picks so let's get rolling
1: Jumping right into the NASCAR season uh, so far, you know, it's been a been an inter- interesting start to the year. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the Daytona 500, and it was a, you know, by all accounts, it was a decent race. You know, they, they were racy in the pack, you know, back and forth. But, you know, the big surprise there, which plate tracks always have the opportunity to present is, right. um, you know, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. gets the win. I say surprise. He's won three races now in his career, right. and they've all been at plate tracks. Um, but, you know, just for him to – he's always aggressive at those races, always loves to push and, um, you know, put himself in a position to win. It was just one of those races that, you know, we, we watched that one together. And mm-hmm. it was – a. there were some comers, there were some goers, some people, you know, wrecked out early in the race. And, you know, me as a big Blaney fan, he, he got caught up early, and I thought, man, there's – You know, I don't even care anymore. I'm just going to watch the race and enjoy it. And all of a sudden, he ended up coming back and getting an eighth-place finish. You know, that's what plate tracks are. What did you think about the Daytona 500, Nick?
0: You know, and we we talk about surprise winners at Daytona Talladega. But if you look at the past three winners of the Daytona 500, 2021, you had Michael McDowell. 2022, you know, Austin Sendrick obviously races for uh, a big-time program in Penske but a rookie wins the the 2022 Daytona 500 and then this year with Ricky Stenhouse winning the Daytona 500 you've had three uh, winners in a row that if you put money on them you probably could have won some good money to win the Daytona 500 and obviously all three of them are good plate racers Um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has three cup series wins two at Daytona one at Aldega and um, I heard someone talk about that he has made a career and he's lasted this long because he can win those type of races. You look at a guy like Michael Walter, who won four Cup Series races, and two were at Daytona and two were at Talladega. So, and with now, with the schedule and the way it works out now, obviously you've got the four races at Daytona and Talladega, the traditional play tracks, but you've also got Atlanta, which has turned into – pack racing, a a mini Daytona we've talked about quite a bit. So the opportunities are there for smaller teams um, to get wins, to get top ten, top five finishes. But this was the longest Daytona 500 in history, 212 laps.
1: And it was long. Yeah, I, I think the thing that I found interesting, you go look at the results and, you know, Ricky Stenhouse, Joe Logano, Christopher Bell, not surprising, Chris Buescher. Not surprising to see him up there, yeah. But man, him and Keselowski were strong in that race. They were. They, they they hooked up and and uh, they were they were probably two of the best cars throughout the entire race. Um, Alex Bowman, obviously, he's like four straight t- front row starts. Yeah. Um, really really strong finish for him. AJ Allmendinger, good finish for him. He's gotten way better at running plate tracks. College obviously has a really good plate track program. Uh, Daniel Suarez, Ryan Blaney, um, somehow finished eighth. uh, Chastain and then Riley Herbst, you know, and his, his, um, start there with Rick Ware finished 10th, Travis Pastrana finished 11th. Yeah. Um, Zane Smith finished 13th and Zane Smith will actually be racing this weekend in the number 38 car, um, at Phoenix. And so Cody Ware finished 14th. I mean, it's just, those are the type of races you see that happen quite often, but, you know, that was a good start to the year, um. Obviously, it's the, the, the biggest race in motorsports. It's the spectacle, you know, that and the Indy 500. But um, as NASCAR fans, it was a fun one. Then we went over to California, and, man, California, what a race. Yeah. You know, we keep talking about it. It, it really is a shame. You know, we, NASCAR fans for years have been talking about, let's get back to short tracks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, man, you hate to get go back to a sh- short track at the expense of the best two-mile track they got. And and California the last two years has just been incredible. Uh, Kyle Busch pulls out the win there, second race, you know, in in the RCR 8 car. Um, That Lucas Oil Chevy looked good up there in the front. A lot less booze for him after the win. You know, uh, what did you see in that California race? Yeah,
0: California has been a race over the past, gosh, 10 years or so that has been a really racy track. It's wide. It's big, it's fast, it has multiple grooves. And like you said, you hate this, you love short, I love short track racing, you love short track racing, but you hate to see a good two mile race get lost for that. But um, you saw really a, a, a racy race, I know that sounds strange, but you saw a racy race, guys coming and going, you saw guys passing for the lead. Um, Ross Chastain ends up finishing third, but leads the most laps with 91 laps. Um, and we'll talk about him in just a second when we talk about surprises and disappointments. He's definitely not a disappointment this year. He's leading the points. But Chase Elliott finishes second. Suarez with another good run, finishing fourth. Kevin Harvick finishing fifth. Uh, Brad Keselowski finishing seventh. You know, the, good, the,
1: good start to the year mm-hmm. for him. You know, last year was obviously a disappointment for him. I think he'd be the first to tell you that. Anybody that's watched NASCAR for the last 15 years would tell you that Brad Keselowski's, you know, a, a top 20, top 25 driver of all time. and For sure. Um, you know, won a championship, and, and it's good to see him getting back up there. Whether you like him or not, you you know, he's a he's a big part of the sport. Um, I thought the most impressive driver of that race was Corey LaJoy, you know, yeah. finishing 14th, yeah. and, and it wasn't a luck finish. No. He was in the top 20 all race. He was up – up to the top 10, he was 11th, you know, and for him and that Spire Spire Motorsports number seven to finish, uh, you know, seventh or 14th in that number seven car, you know, and then to carry that over into um, Vegas, that that gives him four straight top 20 finishes, starting with Phoenix at the end of the year last year. I'm a big Corey LaJoy fan. I hope he gets his his shot at some point. Um, But Auto Club, you know, rest in peace to the two-mile track, Mm Um, I hope whatever they do, they take driver input yeah. and, and find a way to make it racy and yeah. make it a good race because you, you hate to, to lose what is a really good track yeah. and, and put a you know inferior product out there. Yeah. Um, but so, Cal, Cal Auto Club was a great
0: race. And just to touch on the Kyle Bush thing for a second, you know, we've seen over the past, you know, he was a rookie in 2005, I believe, uh, when he came in with Hendrick, you know we've seen Kyle Busch be the villain the vast majority of his career. You know, in the last couple of years when he's not won as much, that's kind of slowed down a little bit. But for the majority of his career, I mean, you you have some ardent Kyle Busch fans, but you've got a lot of people that hate Kyle Busch, and it's not for lack of talent. I mean, he's obviously one of the greatest drivers of all time, but it was very interesting. You know, now that they they park the car at the start finish line and do the interview there, you know they don't really do the victory lane interview anymore. But you can ask Dale Jr. about what he thinks about that. But um, just to to hear the crowd, really the other sixty wins that Kyle Busch had, maybe not so much in the five car, but the other sixty wins, there's a lot of booze. Yep. There wasn't many boos with this
1: one. No, it was it was definitely a different uh, feel. And that's good for him. I hope that this has invigorated him. Again, Kyle Busch is good for the sport, whether yeah. you like him or not. Um, and then we got over to Las Vegas. Las Vegas wasn't a great race. And, and it was a little disappointing. The mile and a halfs were incredible last year. Yeah. Vegas was a good race. 241 of the 271 laps were led by Hendrick cars. And the best car won the race. Yeah. You know, they had a late, late caution at the end of the race, and, and Byron, you know, ended up getting back in front of Larson and getting the win. He led 176 laps. You know, William Byron has proven that he he's here to stay for a while and, and yeah. be a dominant, dominant race car driver. Um, he's in amazing equipment. He's a really good race car driver. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's one to watch throughout the rest of the year. Kyle Larson led 63 laps. Bowman with another top ten finish. Um, only two people finished top ten the entire year. You know, in all three races so far, him and Daniel Suarez. Yeah. You know, really good starts for them. Bubba Wallace coming in fourth had a really, really good race. Got stage points, um, in, in all all the stages. And Justin Haley pulls out a top ten, and then uh, again Corey LaJoy finishes twentieth to keep that that stretch going. Yeah. Um, Brian Blaney worked himself back up to thirteenth. It's a broken record, man. He pit stops. Pit, the, the pit pit <laughs> stops are killing him. And it, he's not alone. It's not just that. He's making mistakes. Yeah, yeah. He's got to get over that hump. To, we know what kind of talent he is. You mm-hmm. don't win seven seven races in NASCAR without being talented. Right. But he has to find a way to get over that hump. And I think when he does, he's going to start reeling off some more wins. Yeah.
0: Very interesting thing. We talk about Ryan Blaney. That's your favorite driver. That's my second favorite driver. And now that, and I'll touch on this in a second, He's going to be my favorite driver for at least the next four or five weeks. Um, Kyle Petty, who is very vocal, uh, by all accounts, and I like him in the booth, as a fantastic man. Uh, We could tell stories about Kyle Petty. We saw Kyle Petty uh, being fantastic with the fans of Talladega. But Kyle Petty's outspoken and came out talking about Ryan Blaney and Basically said that he hadn't done anything, which he's won seven races. He's been in the playoffs every year that he's been a full time driver. Uh, won multiple races in twenty twenty one, and really compared him to Casey Kane. And I don't know if that's an accurate comparison. I no. At
1: the end of the day, Casey Kane had a really good career. Yeah, he won six races. He, one he year. just, you know, he just. I, I get it. What in the world does Kyle Petty have to do with this? <laughs> you know, uh, that's the PG version of uh, Ola Junior there. But no, I mean, I don't, I don't know that Kyle Petty's wrong. I, I'm, a, I'm a big Ryan Blaney fan, but he's gonna have to prove right. He's in as good of equipment as anybody on the track. Does he have the best pit crew? No. No. Does he have an experienced crew chief? No. Does mm-hmm. he have Paul Wolf sitting up there on the on the box? No. Jeremy Bullins is who he won some races with Todd Gordon's not there anymore. Um he seems to like Hassler. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think they've got something going there. They just have to find a way. I mean they've qualified third yeah at Vegas. Yeah. Fast in, in the first stage he dropped like a fly. So they gotta figure out a way to get that car and keep it up in the you know what it is. If he's in the top five at the end of the race he has a chance because yeah. they have a caution. Right. And you saw what happened at the end of that race. I mean, it's it anybody's game. And so he's going to have to prove that he can do it. Phoenix is another place where he was the fastest car at the end of the race last year at Phoenix. Yeah. I think he's got as good of a chance as any this week. You know he's going to be good at plate tracks. You know Bristol, Martinsville, he's going to be fast. Richmond, he's going to be fast. Even though Richmond's been a bad track for him for years, he was good at Richmond last year. New Hampshire, he's really good. He's just got to win a race. He can't – he's not going to point himself in like he did last year. Mm. I just – we've already got three winners this year. Yeah. And Ricky Stenhouse didn't win a race last year. Well, you you can go down the list of people who you know are going to win a race. I mean, Kyle Larson's going to win. Bowman's going to win. Christopher Bell. Martin Truex is probably going to win. He's running really good this year. Yes. Harvick's going to pull out a win. Denny Hamlin's going to pull out a win. Yeah, yeah. I would be shocked if Daniel Suarez doesn't win a race. Chastain is going to win a race. Austin Sendrick could win a race. He's a really yeah. good road, road course driver. Chase Elliott, who we haven't talked about yet, and we will just hear in a second, is going to come back and win a race. Yeah. So he's going to have to win one. It's just let's get one early. Yeah. Uh, let's yeah. not wait until the end. And, and <laughs> let's give not me, wait till Daytona. Give, give me uh, blood pressure problems <laughs> that I already have. So
0: uh, let's talk about Chase Elliott a little bit. So, yeah, Chase Elliott um, in an off-the-track snowboarding accident, which apparently he's a really good skier and snowboarder. Gordon Dell Jr., listen to him on the download, uh, broke his leg, broke his uh, tibia in a snowboarding accident, had to have surgery, a three-hour surgery, and he's out. The tentative timeline is six weeks, so he's missed one. Um, Josh Berry has been slated to run the oval races, and then Jordan Taylor, an IMSA driver, is going to run Coda. Um, now, I've broken <laughs> my tibia before. And six weeks seems pretty quick to me. Um, now, granted, twelve-year-old uh, Nick Winstead living in East Tennessee does not have the same medical care and doctors and rehab and everything that Chase Elliott, as a cup driver, does.
1: Probably the same style of athlete, though. I'd say y'all are Absolutely. On the same, same. Yeah, same. Uh, I'm
0: just. I level. mean, I could go shred the the slopes like Chase Elliott, not. Uh, but uh, Chase Elliott is going to be out at least six weeks. He's been granted a playoff waiver. We've seen this before. Um, Kyle Busch in 2015, now that was in an accident in the Xfinity Series at Daytona, broke both of his legs. Um, we saw it with Tony Stewart in an ATV accident, broke his leg. It's, it's not unprecedented. It happened before with playoff drivers or with drivers that have injuries getting waivers. Um, it's also not unprecedented for a driver with a playoff waiver to win the whole dang thing. Kyle Bush did in 2015, came back from his injuries and um, just tore up the playoffs and, and end up winning the championship in 15, his first championship. So it'll be I fully, I don't doubt at all when Chase Elliott comes back, he'll be super competitive. He'll win races. Um, I'm not worried about that at all. What's interesting to me going forward with Josh Berry filling in is how well can Josh Berry run? Is this a tryout
1: for the Cup Series? Well, he's certainly going to get more sim time. I mean, it was yeah. a it was a bad situation for everybody last week. He got thrown in. He's racing the next you know in this car, but. Not in this car. And they had throttle body issues at the end of the race. He's going to get sim time this week to understand the setup, understand the difference in in this car and and what the Xfinity car does. Josh Berry can wheel a car. He's just got to get some time. Um, You know, I think that if Junior goes into the Cup Series, he's the top person that Junior wants. For sure. And he's setting all that up, and I think this is a good time for him to get experience. Um, First and foremost, we wish – you know, chase a speedy recovery. I know Chase is your guy. Chase is one of my top few drivers. Um, I really wish he drove a Ford like his dad did. But, um, you know, first and foremost, let's hope he gets back healthy. Yeah. Good luck to Josh, Tennessee guy. Want to see him do well. Big fan of Josh Mm Berry. You know, let's get in real quick to, you know, surprises, disappointments. You know, biggest surprise, you know, you look at the top 16 right now, Bush or Keselowski, both in the top 10. Um, obviously, Stenhouse is up there with the win. Um, I don't think there's any surprising names in the top 16. I think it's more the people who are not there right. and the people who are way down the list. Yes. So surprises, Chastain, not a surprise. No. He, he he's, he's leading the points. He's been super consistent. He's going to win a race. Alex Bowman, he has became Mr. Consistency. Yeah. Um, Kevin Harvick, in his last year, he's third in points right now. Kyle Busch, year one in RCR, maybe a bit of a surprise because you just don't know what it's going to be, but you know what Kyle Busch is. Um, You know, stage wins-wise, Ross Chastain's leading. William Byron's got two. But you want to talk about disappointments, you go down and look at the bottom of the list, and Tyler Reddick has the same amount of points as Travis Pastrana. And Travis Pastrana has started. One race. Ty and... Dillon, you know, and then I don't expect Ty Dillon to be twentieth in points. Right. He's been atrocious. Yeah. You know, and, and then the biggest to me is Ryan Priest and Chase Briscoe. Yes. It's Stuart Haas and, and even Eric Almorola who's twenty first. Mm-hmm. Three of their four cars are twenty first and back in standings and you got Harvick in third. Yeah. So Stuart Haas is gonna have to figure something out and they're gonna have to figure out something quick. You yeah. know, you got Bubba up there in 16th. Obviously, the big race um, at Vegas helped him. Redick's going to be fine. Redick is going right. to win a race. Yeah, he's way too talented, and he had speed at Vegas. He did. Um, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna win one of those mile and a halfs where he can get that thing up against the wall, and he's going to just go drive drive past people. And yeah. and um, it's early in the season. There's plenty of time to recover. Phoenix, they're they're. Um, debuting a new short track package, Mm -hmm. smaller spoiler. Um, Some of the underbody has been removed to to help with downforce. Interested to see how that goes. Um, Just excited to see where it keeps going and excited for Ryan Blaney to get the win this weekend.
0: (laughs) So you mentioned, um, let's talk a little bit about Phoenix. Um, You know, this is where we end the season, race number four. So it's at the beginning of the season, end of the season. Uh, in 2022, Briscoe, in the, I call it the spring race, technically it's still winter. Uh, in the spring race got his first career win, Logano obviously won the championship, won the race in the fall race, uh, but three drivers to watch for me going into this race. At Phoenix, and granted, it's a little bit different configuration, it's a different car, but... Kevin Harvick has the most career wins at Phoenix with nine, has the most career top fives with 19, most career top tens with 29. Uh, in, in his 40 starts at Phoenix, he's really, 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 really good at Phoenix. And this is his last year, and he's running really well right now. He's third in the points. So Harvick's one to keep an eye on, obviously, Kyle Bush at any track, but he's also running the Xfinity race this week in the 10 car. We talked about that the other day. He ran at Vegas in the 10 car. It's really, really weird. It's really weird, period, for him to be in anything but the 18 and the Toyota. But it looks really weird in the Xfinity for him not to be in the 18 or the 54. And to be in a college car. Yeah. Um, Um, And then my other one to watch Ryan Blaney. Um, Really good at Phoenix. Like you said, and we've talked about this before, was a really, really, really good teammate in that race last year. He had the best car. He could have went up, I believe, and, and passed Logano, but we've talked about it. You don't know what happens after that. Chastain was lurking. But Blaney's one to keep an eye on in this race. Obviously, you could throw Logano in there too because he won it in the fall, but those are my three to keep an eye on, Harvick, Blaney, and Kyle Busch.
1: Yeah, my, my three are, are real similar, Harvick. Um, obviously the success there, um, Blaney, I think I'm, I'm always going to sound super biased anytime (laughs) I talk about Ryan Blaney, but he's got the speed that's been proven. He's always got that. Um, I want to see him get an early, early race, you know, under his belt here. And my third is Denny Hamlin, Mm -hmm. um, Denny Hamlin, same thing. If he can get one early, um, he can start working on stuff for later in the year. Denny Hamlin's always a threat. Right. Um, don't like him, but no. he's but he's an incredible race car driver. For sure. Um, so that's our our look at NASCAR so far. Excited to keep looking at at the season going forward. You know, we'll have a little preview when we go up to um, Bristol for the the dirt truck race. May even do a little uh, broadcast from from up there. Um, do a little podcast up there. And so now we're going to move over into our SEC basketball tournament preview.
0: So let's talk a little round ball on the hardwood, SEC basketball tournament. Um, this, is, this is an exciting time of year uh, for college basketball. We're, we're ramping up towards March Madness. Conference tournaments are also always really exciting, um, and the SEC is no different. You've got some really good teams uh, in the SEC. So just to recap, um, we're, we're recording this on Friday morning, so this is actually the third day of the SEC tournament. On Wednesday, you had two games that only a mother could love because you had the absolute bottom seeds. Playing in these games, Ole Miss beats South Carolina 67-61, to and LSU beats Georgia 72-67. to And then yesterday, um, you started to have more of your higher seeds play. Mississippi State squeaks out a win against Florida 69-68. Uh, in the second game, game that we We'll talk about a little bit more, and we kept an eye on, obviously, Tennessee beats Ole Miss 70-55, to Arkansas uh, beats Auburn 76-73, and Vanderbilt, who's come on of late, uh, playing really well under Jerry Stackhouse, beats LSU 77-68. So that sets up today, uh, starting this afternoon, with four games. Uh, Mississippi State takes on the number one seed uh, overall in an SEC tournament and probably a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, uh, Alabama. Uh, UT plays gets a, gets a rematch from an earlier game uh, against Missouri, Arkansas and Texas A&M, and then another rematch, Vanderbilt and Kentucky. So what do you see uh, in those four games to, uh, today and tonight? What do you see going on there?
1: You know, obviously Mississippi State pulled out a win there at the end against Florida. I think it's a tall task for them to, to you know, beat Alabama. And we're going to pick almost all these games in our uh, pick segment. So, um, we won't pick them necessarily here, but just um, Alabama has a lot rolling right now. Obviously, they've went through a lot, some controversial stuff. Obviously, with the, uh, you know, having having a, a player kicked off the team for murder Yeah, and then having – potentially an accomplice of some – you know, obviously that is – he is not charged with anything. Right. I still think it's a travesty that he's playing. Yeah. But that's another story for another time. And then you move over to Tennessee, Missouri. Obviously, we're very uh, – we have intimate knowledge of Tennessee. Um, them not having Zakai Ziegler is a big deal. It changes the way they play. Arkansas, always a threat. They're well coached. Um, but Texas A&M's playing really well right now. You know, ended the season 23-8, and 15-3 in the SEC. Going to be a tough matchup there. And then Vanderbilt and Kentucky. Kentucky's been hot and cold at times this year, and Vanderbilt's playing well. Yeah. I don't think that's a gimme. No. Um, you know, you're setting up for a really, really uh, good next round, no matter who gets there. Um, but I think you've got eight teams here that, you know, a lot of them, most of them are going to be in the NCAA tournament, I think. Arkansas and and Vanderbilt are the two probably on the edge the most. Um, All the other teams are probably in. Mississippi State's probably close. But um, definitely, you know, talking about Tennessee yesterday, it was close early. Tennessee got hot. Josiah Jordan James shooting well from three early on. Had a six-point lead at the half. And then they just overwhelmed Ole Miss in in the second half, Um, you know, James scored 20, Vescovy scored 15. Um, you know, when they're – when James is healthy and playing well, Tennessee's tough to beat. Yeah. Can they overcome not having a true point guard is going to be the problem with them, and we'll pick this game later. So that's the four games for, for the SEC tournament, and we'll continue to talk basketball when we get into the March Madness, and we'll, we'll we'll probably pick our brackets and stuff like that on here, you know not going to get too in-depth on these just because we're going to pick them but um, that's what we have for today and um, we'll uh, we'll talk a little more about that going forward. We're going to move now into our Around the Corner segment. Alright, here on our Around the Corner segment which is our segment where we like to talk a little bit about local local high school sports. Obviously, Basketball winding down, um, man, William Blunt loses a heartbreaker at Dobbins Bennett. I I hate it for coach Wendell, coach Conley, um, and and coach Tarver and and those guys over there, you know, this is best team William Blunt's ever had record wise. Um, they were literally one point away from making the state tournament and they lose on a controversial call.
0: Yeah.
1: It wasn't a foul. No. Um, We've had this conversation numerous times over the last few days. The foul that was called wasn't a foul. Could there have potentially been a foul there? Maybe. But the foul that was called wasn't a foul. Right. And to, to allow two free throws to be shot with no times on the, cl- on the clock is also a travesty.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, are they going to be able to make a shot with .4 on the clock? I, probably not. But you didn't even give them a chance. Right. And you let somebody – Desmond Oliver's son – who can play and lit it up in the second half? Step up to the free throw line, hit two free throws to send his team to the state tournament. So, hate it for Coach Wendell. Um, I, I hate it for those those kids more than anything. Um, you hate for your senior basketball season to end that way. Yeah. And, um, but I want to say I'm I'm proud of what those kids did. I'm um, I'm proud of what Coach Wendell and Coach Conley have done with those kids because I know they do it the right way. Yeah, um, Those are two great guys that, that lead those those kids in the right way and, and teach them the right things outside of basketball. Yeah, Those kids that are moving on, whether they're going to play basketball in college or they're going to college just to be students, they're going to do the right things because they've been taught by good men at yeah. the end of the day.
0: Yeah, fantastic kids. I've had some of them in class. I spent two years at William Blunt. Uh, fantastic kids obviously great basketball players and coached by uh, two guys that we know pretty well and we've worked with in and, and Kevin Wendell and Jordan Conley, uh, two great men, two great basketball coaches, um, and definitely love to see the success they had this year. Really would like to see them be in Murfreesboro. And by all accounts, probably should be in Murfreesboro. Um, and playing a, a team that, you know, I grew up, 15 minutes outside of Kingsport, went to volunteer high school, and I'll actually touch on them in just a second. I know that's not local, but some big news about them. Um, I know in in Blunt County, going to a county school, there's a certain school that a lot of people don't like. Uh, that if you go to a county school, growing up in Hawkins County and going to volunteer, you didn't like Dobbins-Bennett at all. Um And they were really good in everything. The this baseball program in national history. uh, Won a ton of football games, ton of basketball games, but to see them, it's one thing if you go up and compete and you lose, you want to say fair and square, that's one thing. Uh, But for them to, to lose the way they did and you can go, I mean, it's all over Twitter. It's all over everything. You can go watch it yourself. I've watched it multiple times. We've, We've all here at work have talked about it over and over and over. It it wasn't the right call. Uh,
1: super controversial. There certainly wasn't a block on Grady. Right. And that's what was called. Yeah. If you want to say that Caden maybe reached across, and I don't think he did. I mean, the ball came out. I think he got a hold of the ball. But if you want to say that was the foul, okay. Yeah. But that wasn't the foul that was called. They no. called a block on number 11. He wasn't even in the play. He no. stepped up, stepped out of the way, and had his hands up. Um, I think he was the third likely to have had a foul there. I think it was probably Caden one and Pride two. Yeah, and I don't think either of those were fouls. Not in that situation. Right. I don't think the foul that got called on Grady on the <laughs> other end was necessarily a foul. But in in that in that situation, you don't call that. And yeah. So again, I hate it for him. Wendell's going to regroup. Uh, he's going to have those kids ready next year, They're losing a lot, but Caden and Grady are back. Um, great basketball coach. He'll, he'll have them ready. Um, you know, the only other local team here in Blunt County that's still going is Alcoa. Um, yeah, they've got a chance. Um, Javan Carter, unbelievable basketball player. Um, th- the addition of Winton to that team ha- has, has helped them a lot. Um, you know, now you don't have to ask Carter to go guard. They're the best player on the opposing team because Wenton can play them on defense, and Carter can go score. So I think Alcoa, um, coached there by Coach Collins, is, has got a real chance at, at making some noise, um, and, you know, we wish them luck, and – um, that's it for the local teams. Alcoa got put out before yeah. they made there in, in sub state heritage made it to the sub state for the first time since 2003. Yeah. Um, you know, congratulations to them and Rick Howard on his uh, 500th win. And um, you know, we'll be be excited to see what happens next year with basketball. We'll be playing varsity basketball here at Eagleton, um, led by Coach West and Coach Britton, um, two yeah. extraordinary men that that are great leaders of of young adults. And um, you know, excited to. For all of our programs to get rolling in, in um, you know, varsity sports next year, uh, yeah. and Coach, hit, hit a little bit on volunteer there. Uh, just real
0: quick, I'm going to touch on, on our Royals real quick. Uh, our boys finished 11-9, and nine, beat some really good teams, competed against some really good teams, uh, grew throughout the year. And the really good thing about our school is now they lose one player and everybody else is back. Um, Our girls also won several games, they competed, they grew throughout the season. Um, They're obviously, you know, you can say, talk about a team being young, but they're all freshmen and sophomores. So Coach Britton and Coach K have done a really good job with them. Looking forward to seeing both of those going forward uh, into next year when we're playing varsity. And then my alma mater, Volunteer High School, uh, for the first time in school history has made it to the state tournament. Uh, the other night, played Halls and beat them 95-71. to 71. Talk Big about man. a high-scoring, uh, yep. high-school basketball game. But it made it to the state tournament. Uh, last year, really good. I, I believe made it to the sectionals. Um, and it's, it's, it's good to see your alma mater compete really well. Um, when I was in school in the early 2000s, uh, we had some district championships, made it to the sectionals. Um, and then get bumped up to playing Dobbins-Bennett, Science Hill, Tennessee High, teams like that, um, and suffered because you're playing schools two and a half times bigger than you, twice as big as you. And now they've, they've moved back down to AAA in basketball and have competed really well. So wish them luck. Uh, always live in Blount County, but you're Hawkins County boy at heart. Hawkins County made, uh, Churchill made. Love to see volunteer doing well, so wish them luck going to Murfreesboro next week.
1: Well, it's it's always it's always funny, no matter where you're at teaching and coaching and um, where you're at in life. You know, I was texting texting a buddy during the the William Blunt game the other day, and you know, I'm a 2010 grad of William Blunt, taught there, coached there, and have moved on, and and um, couldn't be happier to be at Eagleton. I, I love this place and. But I was nervous for those kids. And I said, man, why am I so nervous? And he said, man, you're a gov. And I said, you know, at heart I am, yeah. I always will be. Yeah. And so, you know, you always want to cheer on your alma mater. And, and so congratulations to the volunteer getting there. And, um, you know, last thing we're going to talk about here in, in our Around the Corner segment, uh, Coach Travis Hart, our uh, boys baseball coach here, is uh, he's in charge of doing some rankings throughout the state for baseball. And uh, he's he's shared those with us. We're going to release those on here during our podcast. And so the first one we're going to talk about is the 2023 TBCA preseason all-class poll. This is for baseball. This is all classes kind of combined in the preseason where they have everyone ranked. And um, so the top 20, and uh, I'm just going to name the top 10 for now. Um, right now you've got Farragut coming into the preseason ranked number one. Uh, good Pasture 2, Lipscomb Academy 3, Macaulay 4, Houston 5, Christian Brothers 6, Baylor 7, Mount Juliet 8, Independence 9, and Grace Franklin 10. So obviously there's some there's some private schools in there, yeah, yeah. but man, Farragut sticking out. Always good at baseball, yes. have been as long as I, I, I can remember. A um, couple teams out of Memphis, a couple teams out of Chattanooga. Um, you know, you, you get down into it there. you got a couple small schools. Eagleville is 16th, Tennessee High, um, you know, a, t- a team from up your way, uh, yeah. Upper East Tennessee there, Bristol, uh, they're 20th. So that's the all-class poll. And then you can uh, – he also – they do the uh, – for each class. And so we'll just hit a little bit on that. Class A, um, top five, Eagleville, McKenzie, Peabody, Gordonsville, and Bradford. 2A is uh, Watertown, Loretto, Forest. Pigeon Forge, and Loudon, so a couple local teams there. Triple yeah. uh, A, you've got Upperman, Tennessee High, South Gibson, Covington, and Murfreesboro Central, with Lenore City just coming in there at sixth. You know, Lenore City's really picked it up in baseball over the last couple years, and being able to play down in Triple A has helped them a lot. And then over in 4A, you've got um, Farragut 1, Houston, Independence, Mount Juliet, and Rossview. And then your private schools, your, your single A, Division two, Good Pasture, Grace Franklin, Clarksville Academy, Silverdale Baptist Academy, and Christian Academy at Knoxville. And two AA, Division II AA, Macaulay, Lipscomb Academy, Christian Brothers, Knoxville Catholic, and Baylor. So that's your preseason high school baseball polls. Those will be updated throughout the year. We'll get some baseball guys on here. Coach Hart will come on here and talk. Uh, Coach Young from over at William Blunt, I'm sure we can get him on here. I hope his wife works here. Surely she can pull yes, some surely strings. Goodness. Come also, on, he's also he's a buddy. So surely yeah. we can get him on here, and and I'm sure Coach Hart will get a few of those guys to come come jump on with us for a few minutes yeah. and talk about how their season's going. So excited to ramp up baseball. We'll talk a little Major League Baseball as we get into it here, um, so we can talk about how the Braves are going to win the World Series again, <laughs> and the Reds are probably going to finish last. Yeah, so you're,
0: you're probably right. You so. know, in, uh interest in baseball in this area. Uh, at the college and the high school level has picked up considerably over the past few years. Obviously, with with the base vols, with Tennessee baseball being really good, um, went to Omaha in 2021. Probably should have went to Omaha last year and stumbled against Notre Dame. This year, preseason number two, um, have obviously interest has peaked in that. But also, you've got some really, really good – uh, high school baseball around here. You know, obviously, you've talked about the all classes poll. Farragut's number one. Um, Knox Catholic's number 12. And if you look at uh, the polls we just talked about, even in small small baseball, Cofield, yep. which is close to us, is number six. You know, Pigeon Forge, Loudon, Union County, uh, Lenore City, Carter. Carter's always really good in baseball. Uh, McMinn County, just a little bit below us, Farragut. So you've got some really good. High school baseball in this area, and too. just
1: just here in in Blunt County, um, William Blunt's going to be good this year. Yeah, they play in a really tough division. I mean, their their region or district, whatever it's called these days, I can't ever keep <laughs> up. is really good because they're playing Farragut, Hardin Valley, Maryville. Yeah, uh, Maryville's going to be good. They they, they always are. Uh, Heritage, you know, Robbie Bennett's been there for a long time, and and um, they're going to be good, and they're only going to get better next year when they move down to three uh, A. And so, um, certainly. Gonna have plenty to talk about when it comes to local baseball. Excited to do that. We'll talk about other local sports. I, I'm a track guy. We've we've started up a track program here, led by Coach Childs, and um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And you know, people we have competing, and um, you know, local kids that that we think are gonna you know be able to compete to get out to spring fling. So that's it for our around the corner segment this week, and we're gonna move over to the Power Five. This week's Power 5 segment is brought to you
0: by NC's Campers. Spring break will be here before you know it. For Blunt County, it's next week. Uh, and if you need a camper for a getaway, the link will be posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages. The camper they have available sleeps four. It's perfect for a small family or a guy's trip to the races. Contact Joe at area code 419-575-2264. And make sure you tell him you heard about it on the Big Boy Sports Corner. Thanks to NC's campers for sponsoring the Power Five. So this week on the Power Five, we're in SEC tournament basketball time. So we're going to pick our top five remaining teams left in the SEC tournament. So, Randall, why don't you go ahead and lead us off here?
1: Yeah, so obviously we only have eight teams, um, you know, eight teams left. And I think you could really look at a lot of these and put them in here in a bunch of different orders, but um, I started out number five with Mizzou. Um, you know, obviously, Tennessee faltered late and didn't end up getting that number four seed. I think it's probably the best game of the day, Tennessee and Missouri. Um, so, I've got Missouri five. Tennessee four, you just at, – at one point this year, we thought they might be the number one team in the country, had a chance to make it to the Elite Eight Final Four. That's obviously changed with Z- Zakai Ziegler being out. Um, I still think if – James is playing well. Vescovy's playing well. They're still a really good basketball team. Um, number three, Texas AM. This one was tough. I almost put them number two. They've played really well in SEC play. Um, number two, Kentucky. It's a talent thing. They just are yeah. so talented. Um, so many people on that team that, that can um, go light it up if they need to. And they've obviously got Shibway, who who is, is unbelievable. And number one, Alabama, going to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, 26-5 and on the year. Uh, Bama's my number one team in the Power Five.
0: So my top five, we have the same five teams in just a little bit different order. And me putting Tennessee at five just shows, hey, this is not biased. If I was biased, oh, Tennessee's number one. But obviously we know that's not the case. Um, I've got Tennessee at five. At one point in the year they were 18-3. and And since that, since they beat number 10 Texas and they're 18-3, they are 5-6 and and since then um, and have been inconsistent. I was talking to our, our head custodian here the other day, and I said, Bubba, I said, one of two things will happen with Tennessee in this tournament. I said, they'll lose on Friday or they'll be playing Sunday for the championship. Either one of those things could happen. Yep. I mean, they could win the whole thing. They won the whole thing last year. Um, it's just, can they be consistent? Can they play at the level they did yesterday, you know, against Ole Miss shooting 47% from the field, out-rebounding out Ole Miss thirty-eight to twenty-two. If they can play like that, if Josiah Jordan James can play really well, they can win some games. Uh, but I've got Tennessee number five, Missouri number four, uh, Texas A&M, even though they're the, the two-seed in the tournament, uh, I've got them number three. Kentucky's been hot. Uh, I've got them at number two, and then
1: obviously number one is Alabama. Well, that's it for our Power 5 segment, and we're going to move over into the Big Boys Corner Picks. Our Big Boys Corner Picks is brought to you, as always, by Tennessee Bonding Company. If you need a bonding company, call Tennessee Bonding at 865-255-3361. Serving Blount and Loudoun counties and all other surrounding counties, ask for Courtney or Nate. Again, that phone number is 865-255. 3-3, 6-1. Three three six one. So, today we're going to be picking seven games, um, all college basketball. You know, we're, we're in conference tournament, and, and so we're going to pick, pick those. We're going to start with UConn and Marquette. Who you got? I'll take Marquette. Uh, this could be, if you think about the old Big
0: East tournament, when Syracuse, West Virginia, those teams were in it. Man, the Big East tournament was great. And I think this could shape up, we're going to pick another Big East game here in a second. Uh, But I think this could shape up to be a really good game. Uh, But I'll take Marquette.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take UConn. I I think this is a a good game. It's a toss-up. Both teams have been really good this year. Um, But I'm going to take UConn in this one. Duke, Miami, who you got?
0: I'm going to take Miami uh, in this one. Uh, Duke has has played well, uh, but has been really under the radar. Obviously, with Coach Krzyzewski retiring, uh, brand new coach coming in, uh, you don't have the... The national media spotlight on him as much, but Duke has played well and Miami's played well, uh, but I want to take the Hurricanes in this one.
1: Yep, I'm taking Duke in this one. I, I know that the big change with without Coach K is always a, um, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a weird year not seeing him on the sidelines, um, but I just I'm going to lean on Duke being Duke today and, and uh, give me Duke in that one. Creighton and, and Xavier, um, you know, Xavier out of Cincinnati there. Both, both of these teams have been really good. Um, Xavier has been kind of up and down, but they've made it to this point in the tournament. Um, I'm taking Creighton here. Um, I just I think they're a little bit better basketball team.
0: Yeah, believe it or not, uh, and this is from a guy who loves geography and loves U.S. geography. I had no idea where Creighton was in the year, it's in Nebraska.
1: Yeah, I, I still I just <laughs> just now found that
0: out. It's in Nebraska. Uh, obviously, I know where Xavier is. It's in downtown Cincinnati. Uh, but leaning on my love of all things Cincinnati, I'm going to go with the Musketeers again. Could be another really good game. Uh, just like we talked about, UConn and Marquette at this point in the year. At this point in these tournaments, most of these games are going to be pretty good games. Uh, your, your lower seeds are out of the way They're, They've been knocked out Now you've got your top seeds in all these conferences So it could be another really good game So I'm going to pick Xavier
1: Moving down to the SEC tournament We've got Arkansas, Texas A&M, who you got? I got the Aggies um, Arkansas
0: Made a really good run last year to the Elite Eight I think Musselman's a really good coach But they've been very inconsistent this year uh, And Buzz Williamson has done a really good job at Texas A&M, was a really good coach at Virginia Tech. Um, I believe that A&M's kind of peaking at the right time, so I'm going to go with the Aggies.
1: Yep, give me Texas A&M. Again, everything you just said is correct. I mean, um, Eric Musselman is a really good coach. Buzz Williams is a really good coach. A&M's just – they've been really, really good during the SEC play, and I think they continue with that. Uh, Kentucky Vanderbilt – you know Vanderbilt's playing well. Yeah. They they've really improved. I think at one point they were something like twelve and twelve. They beat Tennessee, and now they're like nineteen and thirteen. Yeah. Um. So they've they've went on a stretch, and I think it ends today. Uh, give me the Wildcats.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna take Kentucky again. Like you said, Vanderbilt's playing well. Uh, they're nineteen and thirteen, but in the past uh, few games, they they've won four in a row. They've won something like nine out of the last ten. Um, at one point, Alabama beat them 101 to 44, and they were 10 and 12. Since then, they've lost one game. Uh, and that was to LSU. That's kind of a head scratcher. But all that said, Coach West's Wildcats, Kentucky's Kentucky. Yep. They've got all the talent in the world. Oscar Sheebway, Cal Perry's a top three coach in the NCAA. Um, again, you talk about playing good at the right time peaking at the right time, and I think Kentucky's doing that. Um, Kentucky could be a dark horse pick to win it all. When I say all, I mean the SEC tournament, not the NCAA tournament. Uh, But give me the Wildcats.
1: Uh, Moving on to Bama, Mississippi State, Uh, give me the the Tide.
0: Yeah, Alabama, incredibly talented, puts up 80, 90 points a game. Yeah, Mississippi State, uh, their luck runs
1: out. Yep. And then our last one we're going to pick is the Missouri Tigers versus your Tennessee Volunteers. Um, We've talked about all the issues that Tennessee can have. They could come out in this game and score 20 points in the first half because they're not hitting shots. Yeah. Um, I think it all hinges upon what Josiah Jordan James can do. I think he comes out, he, he hits some shots early, he plays good defense, he gets rebounds, Tennessee wins.
0: Yeah, this was a game that was played uh, in Thompson Bowling earlier in the year. Missouri <laughs> wins on a 45-foot 45 45 foot miracle shot, 86-85. Uh, 80, um, that's a game that Missouri was leading by 14 or 15 at the half, and Tennessee comes on fire in the second half uh, and has the lead until the very end. Again, without Zakai Ziegler, you're, you're down – a true point guard, you're down a lot of heart, a lot of hustle off uh, on the floor, but I'm going to take the balls in this one and it's a toss-up to me, but I think Tennessee's the more talented team. If Josiah Jordan-James plays well, if Vescovy plays well, if those big men can combine, the four of them, can combine for 20, 20 points, 20 boards, and, and play well inside, I think Tennessee can win, so I will take the balls.
1: Well, that's it for our Big Boys Corner Picks. Again, thanks to Tennessee Bonding Company for sponsoring the Big Boys Corner, Sec- Corner Pick segment. Call Courtney or Nate at 865-255-3361. Thanks for joining this week on the Big Boys
0: Sports Corner. Next time, we'll talk March Madness once all the tournaments have ended. Uh, we'll start looking forward to the NFL Draft. We'll also recap the NASCAR races that happened between now and then. So remember to follow us on social media and like and share our posts. And until next time, y'all be good.